Thank you for tuning in to the podcast of Western Heights Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. We exist to exalt Christ, equip the church, and engage the community. For more info, visit whbcwaco.org. Good morning. Hey, it's good to be back. And I can say back, some of you will recall my wife and I, Lynette is sitting over here in the white sweater. Wave your hand. Uh, we were members here of Western Heights in the fall of 2011. We had just returned from Africa, serving 26 years as International Mission Board missionaries, and uh, we needed a place to stay till we could get a house of our own. And we were th- so thrilled to be offered this house over here on Bosque and 60th. And so that was a blessing to us. And I told Annette, let's just go to the nearest church. Turned out to be some good folk. And we enjoyed our time here so very much. Um, I need a watch. I don't see a clock. If somebody loaned me a watch, I'll promise to give it back, Marilyn, but you better watch me. You never know. I have been known to walk out of a church with wireless mics, but I've always brought them back. Who knows, if it's a good watch, you may not get it back, so you better come claim it. No, you want me to have something to look at to kind of keep up with the time. Believe me, I'm a preacher. But uh, we had some good experiences as missionaries. It's not going to be a missionary sermon or message as such, but I would mention some things. Our two daughters, we have two daughters and a son, and our two daughters are also missionaries. They're married. They have children. Lynette and I are stupid. Uh, We went overseas and took our children with us so my parents and her parents could not experience their grandchildren. So we come back to the United States as our daughters take our five grandchildren back to Africa. So, but we're blessed to have our oldest daughter just arrived with her husband and three daughters uh, Friday. And they're being hosted at Meadowbrook Church at their house. And so we'll be blessed to have them here for 11 or 12 months in Waco. So that's a thrill to us. Um, I see your pastor regularly. Oh, I want to mention our second daughter also. She'll be here briefly in in the end of July, first part of August. And uh, they're also taking furlough this fall only. But they'll be in um, Louisville, Kentucky, pretty far away. But we'll have an opportunity. Lynette and I are both retired now. We are members at Park Lake Drive Baptist Church. So we're not far away, and we live in the Mountain View neighborhood, and so some of you are probably there. So, but I want to mention one thing about our missionary career, and it's just kind of a follow-up. Sometimes people will say to us, how can you send your daughters and grandchildren there to Africa? Isn't it unsafe? In many ways, you could say, yes, it's unsafe. It's not as safe as here. However, I think we've had more Americans killed by terrorists in this country than we have overseas, by the way. So keep that in mind if you think about it from that standpoint. But things have changed. About the last three years of our career, up until that point, I used to say, we feel very safe in West Africa. But things began to change as terrorism ranked up and now is much more active in West Africa. 
I can never been threatened personally, but I can name off eight places I have been to that have experienced terrorist attacks. I can name three men who have been uh, two uh, uh, kidnapped and held today by terrorists, one threatened. The one man, I'll mention his name, he's a missionary pilot, not with the Southern Baptist, but his name is uh, Jerry Krause. He's been held for about five years now. The federal government has been able to confirm that. Pray for him, for his family. Another man, Ken Elliott, he's an Australian, a doctor. I've stayed in his home. By the way, the missionary pilot has flown me several times. Uh, I know him. Uh, Ken Elliott, the doctor, Australian doctor in a missionary hospital up on the fringes of the Sahara Desert. Been in his home, stayed in his guest house. He was kidnapped a little over two years ago and still held. His wife was released, he's still held. Another man, uh, his name escapes me for the moment. Uh, he's a U.S. and he's with the translators. He was at a hotel where Lynette and I have stayed on the coast, in the Ivory Coast, the country of the Ivory Coast, Grand Bassam, and terrorists attacked. He hid in the thatch, uh, in a thatched roof where just a few feet away, several people were murdered by terrorists. It's that type of world today. We send our children, our grandchildren, to that type of world. Pray for them. It's not an idle thing. Sometimes I hear people say, how can we pray for missionaries, pray for their safety? It's not an idle request, folks. If you're part of a prayer group, a Sunday school class, pray for our children. Pray for your missionaries. It's that type of world. All right, without going any farther, let's get into God's Word. I know your pastor, by the way. Uh, we're part of a covenant group that meets monthly, so I see him at least monthly, and it's a good time of sharing with him. I've learned to appreciate him uh, and, and enjoy spending time with him. Um, I read recently an account of a NBA star by the name of Charles Barkley. Now, I don't follow sports, uh, professional basketball, but this Charles Barkley is known, according to the little piece I read, as a round mound of rebound. Does that ring any bells? Anybody? I don't know. But anyhow, the interesting thing about it, he was famous for saying, I am not a role model. You know why he said that? Because he didn't want to be a role model. He didn't want that responsibility. But you know, role models are important. All of us grew up identifying role models that you wanted to emulate. I want to be like that person. Whereas a pro football player or just something about a person you tend to emulate. But I want to go a little farther and, and remind you that someone is watching you. Someone is looking up to you and saying, I want to follow that person. And, and are you worthy? Are you that sort of person that someone should be emulating your life? Well, your life is not totally, the story has not totally been written. It's begun, but we hadn't gotten to the end of that story yet. And what will be the end of that story? So I propose that we look at two men in the Bible, Peter and Judas. Let's do a compare and contrast of these two men that we read about in our New Testament. 
Peter and Jesus, each along with the others, spent some three, three and a half years with Jesus. They heard his teaching. They heard his parables. They saw the miracles he performed. They got excited about this man. And they followed after him. But one of these men denied Jesus. The other man betrayed Jesus. How did their lives end? What happened after, these, after this denial, after this betrayal? Well, one of them was saved. One of them was lost. In fact, he lost his life and his soul. So let's look at the difference between these two men, what we can learn about life. In Matthew chapter 26, I'm going to begin reading with verse 31. Just listen along. You may want to follow, but just listen to the words. Then Jesus said to them, Tonight all of you will run away because of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been resurrected, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Peter told him, Even if everyone runs away because of you, I will never run away. I assure you, Jesus said to him tonight, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Even if I have to die with you, Peter told him, I will never deny you. And all the disciples said the same thing. Well, let's look first at Peter. He's kind of a favorite of many. At least he stands out among the twelve. He stands out. He just keeps popping up, you know. He, he's there. In almost every story, he stands out in some way. His name was Simon. Judah says, I'm going to call you Peter. It means the rock. Or sometimes we hear Cephas. That's uh, the rock in the uh, Aramaic language. But Jesus called him that because he knew that one day his faith would be as solid as a rock. And I say one day he wasn't there yet. The story of his life was still being written, as is the story of your life and mine. He was a wildly enthusiastic sort of person at times. That's what made him stand out. He was impulsive. Perhaps you've been impulsive at times. Maybe that's your character. He could be brash. Are you that sort of person? He could be impatient. I get impatient at times, don't you? He could do stupid things, and I've done plenty of stupid things in my life. I think we can identify with Peter. Let's acknowledge that as we continue looking at his life. He is from Bethsaida, lived in Capernaum. These were fishing villages, and he was a fisherman. He, along with some other men, James and John, who are commonly called the sons of thunder. So you've got Brash, Peter, and these two brothers, the sons of thunder. They must have been a triplet that stood out in any village, small village in that day and time. Uh, well, one day, so let's just look a little bit at Peter's life. One day, one morning, as they were following after Jesus, Jesus walked along uh, the Sea of Galilee. And the crowds were pressing after him. And he sees two boats there, and he gets and sits down in one of the boats and asks the fishermen to push out a little bit. And Jesus just sits down in that boat, and he teaches the crowd. There's up there on the shore. And that is a whole story in itself that's beautiful to consider. 
And then when he was finished teaching, he turned to the fishermen and said, Now push out in the deep water and cast your nets. And they protested. We've been fishing all night, hadn't caught anything. Do it. All right, if you insist, we'll do it. They do that. You know the story. They get a big catch, so much that the boats begin to sink. And that's when Peter speaks up and just says, you know, get away from me. I don't want to even be in your presence. You're too much. You're too different. You're too beyond me. And uh, Jesus says, well, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Peter, James, and John, they just leave their fishing business, they leave their family, leave their home village, and begin following after Jesus. So he was known as a spokesman for the disciples because he tended to speak out, stand up. Remember the account of Jesus and Peter, James, and John, those three core groups. Jesus invites them up with him up on the mountaintop. There he's transfigured before them, his face shine. But during that experience, Jesus asked, Who do you say that I am? Well, uh, it was Peter who said, Well, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He's, he was already recognizing that. And he was just bold enough to just blurt it out. I think probably they had been discussing among themselves. The others, they kind of had an idea or they were thinking this way. But it was Peter that just put it out there. Put it out there before him. Another time they were crossing a lake in the middle of the night. Storm comes up. They're concerned. And they see a figure walking across the water to them. It's Jesus. And Peter, it was Peter. Peter said, it's the Lord. Tell me I can come out and walk toward you. Jesus says, come on. And Peter gets out there, walks on the water. But what happens? Well, the waves are strong. And he begins to take his eyes off Jesus. Look at the waves. becomes afraid begins to sink. Jesus reaches out his hand and takes him up. After Peter cries, Lord, save me. And that's when Jesus says, Oh, you of little faith. But of course we don't forget he had the faith to go out in the first place. You see, his faith was still like this, up and down. It wasn't rock solid yet, but it was a tremendous faith. It was a learning and growing faith. Peter is one who actually rebuked Jesus when he talked about his coming death. After the sermon in which Jesus said, I am the bread of life, scriptures tell, and, and people left, began to, you know, Jesus had fed the thousands, at least on two occasions that were counted in scriptures, and people were hungry in those days, and they were looking for food always. But Jesus preached a sermon, pretty one of the longer ones we have in scripture, and he says, I. Really, I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread you should be seeking after. And when they saw he was no longer going to offer them free food, they began to leave him. And that's when Jesus turns to the twelve and he says, Well, are you going to go away also? And it was Peter. He's the one who speaks up. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. See, he's beginning to recognize and see things. He's the one who spoke up. One day Jesus was teaching his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Who do people say? Well, John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the other prophets, they say, and again, it was Peter. Why, well, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so Jesus spoke of his suffering, of his death, of his resurrection, and Peter rebuked him. See, Peter says, well, well, 
Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. And so Jesus said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of man. And just think back to that walking on the water story, from Jesus to the waves, from the things of God to the things of man. See, we're torn between two worlds, if we're honest with ourselves. Yeah, you've put your faith and trust in Jesus. You've trusted Him for your salvation. you said, I'm a follower. But if you're honest, you're like Peter. Like any weak human being, we're up and down. The, the story is still being written of your life. You're pulled this way and that. You're pulled to heaven when you hear a message, when you read God's Word. You're pulled to the world when you're out living in life. That's part of the challenges of life. Well, I'm off on something else. Well, the night that Jesus was arrested, that very night, Jesus said, all of you will run away and leave me. And that's what I began, that passage I read a while ago. All of you are going to run away. Before the night's over, all of you will leave me. And of course, it's Peter who speaks up very impulsively. He says, I'll never leave you, even though all the rest of them do. I'm not going to leave you. But Jesus responded, I tell you that before the rooster crows tonight, you will say three times that you do not know me. Boy, those words had to sting. I believe that Jesus said this not to accuse him. I think Jesus said this with sadness. Jesus knew See, He knows the story of your life. It's you who don't know. It's you who still have decisions to make. He had sadness in his heart when he said that. Well, after Jesus' rest, Peter followed Him at a distance. The others all had gone away. Peter remained where Peter followed. He followed in the courtyard of the high priest. And there a young servant girl says, you were one of those following him. Yeah, I know you. And it's dim light. It's night. No modern lights. She looks and she says, yeah, I know you. You're one of those who were following after him. I don't know. Oh, oh, not me. Three times it happens in similar fashion. After the third time, the rooster crows. And what happens? Well, Peter went out and wept bitterly, the Scriptures tell us. It wept bitterly. Let's leave Peter for the moment. You see, he denied three times that evening. He even knew Jesus. Let's look at Judas now. And just for a moment, stop to say, one thing I like about it is the honesty and frankness of Scripture. Uh, we see no whitewashing of the characters in the Bible. In fact, there are a lot of heroes in the Bible, but no perfect heroes. They all had their foibles, and I could recite many and, and remind you of those. And if you think about it, you know, they were all had their weaknesses. No perfect heroes. Remember, we're talking about who to imitate in life. Which character? Judas was a treasure for the group. He kept the funds. At the Last Supper, consider again, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. One of you will betray me. 
Luke tells us in his gospel that Satan entered into Judas called Iscariot, who was a number of the twelve. You see, he was brought under Satan's influence. But how could this happen? Do I need to be afraid? Do you need to be fearful that Satan will enter into your life at some moment and take control? Well, you see, your heart does not have a handle to open the door from the outside. You control the entry to your heart from the inside. You decide who may enter your heart. It's your decision. You give access. If Satan is going to get into your heart and take control of your life, it's because you have in some way let him in. You control your heart. God gave you that. Well, Judas then went out and he found the chief priests and he made an agreement with them about how he could betray Jesus. And for that, he received 30 pieces of silver. Well, later that night, Jesus and his disciples, they went out from the upper room. They'd been in that upper room. It was, it was a Passover season. And, and the first, the Lord's Supper, Jesus instituted that. And they went out to the Mount of Olives. And there Jesus prayed that prayer that is so memorable. And Judas came at the head of a mob. He knows where to find him. And the sign was he kissed Jesus. And for that he received, for that kiss, he received 30 pieces of silver. Well, after Jesus had been condemned to death in that night and then the following morning, Judas was filled with remorse, the scriptures tell us. Filled with remorse. He had a guilty conscience. He repented himself, is the way the King James translation puts it. He changed his mind. Other translations have it translated several ways. It's one of those words it's difficult to translate. But he changed his mind. He regretted what he had done. He had a guilty conscience because of the unexpected results. But the scriptures and the commentators point out it wasn't saving, something that saved him. It wasn't a repentance that led to his salvation. Filled with regret, what did he do? Well, Judas was full of remorse, the scripture says. He regretted it. He went back to the temple. He sought out the priests. And he said, here, take your 30 pieces of silver back. I want it no more. And they said, that's your business. We have no more to do with it. And he flung it at their feet and fled out from there. And what did he do? He went out and he hanged himself. He died that evening. You see, sin, once it's out there, you can't take it back. Now, you can make restitution. You can regret what you've done, but it's already out there. It's happened. You've done it. Well, there's the two men. There's Peter and there's Judas, the one who, who denied he even knew him, the other who betrayed him. Now, I said we we're going to look at those two, but I propose we add a third person, and that third person is you. Let's bring you into the story. Bring myself into the story, but concentrate on yourself now, for you too are a sinner. The Scriptures teach us, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
It's Paul in the letter to the Romans. Three chapters over, he says again, the wages of sin is death. So it's a very grave thing is our sin. Any sin is worthy of the wage of death, Scriptures tell us. Well, Peter, we know, wept bitterly. He regretted what he did. He regretted his sin. But he did something significant. And that's why his life is worthy of emulation. He sought forgiveness. John, in his letter, says... If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yes, we regret. All, especially all who are caught, regret their sin. But all, not all go to the step of confessing that sin and seeking forgiveness. You see, Judas regretted very much what he did, but he suffered alone. In fact, he went back to the temple, you see, he went back to the priests where he had arranged this affair. He went to them with those 30 pieces of silver. He went and in effect confessed to them, I've done a terrible thing. I want to take it back. And they said, "It's <laughs> can't do that. We cannot go that route. Sadly, he went to his conspirators. He did not. He regretted what he did. But he did not seek the Lord's forgiveness. He did not go back to his Lord. He did not go back to the fellowship of the twelve to have their encouragement and strength to confess his sin and seek forgiveness. Peter did. And that's the difference. Peter sought the Lord's forgiveness and he received that. For both of them regretted what they had done. But it was Peter who responded in the right way and sought the forgiveness, sought repenting of his sin. When we're aware of our sins, and I think the Lord in various ways, through his word, through his still small voice, through friendly, godly people, leads us to be aware of our sin. The question is, how will we respond? Or you try to fix it yourself by giving something back in the wrong way. Or you fall to your knees and seek His forgiveness. See, we're all sinners to this day. You didn't stop sinning the day you were saved, the day you were baptized, nothing like that. You're not free of sin because you're a member of a just church fellowship. You're still a sinner. And the big question is, how do you respond to that sin? When you become aware of it, Seek genuine repentance in the Lord. So that, who's the man of, these two to emulate, man of these two to emulate? Well, it's Peter. I propose we emulate Peter. Now you may seek to emulate some person in this world, but remember, he's still a sinner. She's still a sinner. And you're still a sinner. How will you seek forgiveness? Judas regretted, but did not seek forgiveness. Peter regretted, repented, and sought forgiveness. He received that forgiveness. At the end of your life, when the story is finally written, what route will you have taken?
Let's stand together. Kip, come lead us in a song of invitation. Let's stand together. And as we sing, you consider your life, where you are in your life's journey, and how the end of that story shall be written. That's your decision, you see. And so, it's up to you and your Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this, your word. We're all a group before you this morning. We're sinners in need of your grace. We have all fallen short. We've all done things we regret. We've all done stupid things, Lord. Help us to turn from that. To regret in the right way. Not just to regret, but to repent. To turn away. To turn away from sin, to turn away from this world, and turn to you, Lord. Help us to do that each and every time we need to do it. To do it this morning as we need to. In Jesus' name, amen.